0: Hello and welcome to Como Explain, the podcast from the KBI newsroom that breaks down complicated issues and curious questions you have about the place we all live. I'm your host, Jack Howard. Today we've got KBI reporters Katie Heiler from the Health and Wealth Desk and Bram Sable-Smith from the Civics Desk.
1: Hello. Hello.
0: So Bram and Katie, what do you have for me? So this is a
2: story about a pond.
1: But it's also about arsenic, the potential loss of human life, and the EPA.
2: So a few weeks ago, Katie and I took a trip to the Columbia Municipal Power Plant. Ah. There, we met the plant superintendent Christian Johanningmeier. Hello,
3: I'm
1: Christian.
3: Hi. How are you? Well, this is
1: Katie. we wanted to look at the plant's coal ash pond.
2: Wait, coal ash pond is that one word? Yeah, it's actually. Uh, Three words. So, when the power plant burns coal to create electricity, it produces ash, and that ash is sometimes called coal ash or coal combustion residuals.
1: CCRs.
2: Yeah, CCRs. Not
1: to be confused with the band.
2: Right. It's a dark, kind of sandy, rocky material, and actually, uh, I'm going to let Johan Meyer pick it up here. So, you
3: know, we burn coal, and then uh, as the coal burns, it produces ash, the ash collects in the basement of the, of the power plant. We pump water out of the pond into the basement of the power plant, wash the
2: ash out into the pond. That pond he's talking about, that's the coal ash pond, also called Moore's Lake here in Columbia. It's fairly small, about 45 acre feet, according to the EPA, and the coal ash is pumped out of the power plant and into the pond. And there the ash settles to the bottom of the pond. Sounds dirty. What does it look like? Actually, it's it's kind of charming, at least I thought so. When Moores Lake was built back in the late 1800s or early 1900s, it was a swimming hole. And even relatively recently, it was a city park. There is even a little island in the middle with a bridge walking out to it. And now there are still trees and grass and plants around the perimeter of the pond. Uh, there's wildlife. While we were there, they had caught a raccoon, which apparently is pretty typical. It's uh, It's a pretty appealing place. Wow, it sounds almost pleasant.
1: Yes, but... There is one big problem. What Bram didn't mention in his rosy description of the pond is the giant pile of coal ash that sits on the edge of the pond.
0: Small omission.
1: Yeah. Once the coal ash settles to the bottom of the pond, they actually dredge it out of the water and leave it in a pile at the edge of the pond to dry out. Actually, on the day we were there, it was pretty windy. I wonder how windy.
2: So it's pretty windy right now. I mean, you can see the the ash is kind of getting blown off the top of that pile.
1: And this is why we were visiting the ash pond in the first place. This is what we're here to talk about. Right now, the ash is not considered a hazardous material, which means it can sit loose in a pile while the wind blows. It means the water from the ash pond does not have to be treated before being released into the environment. It means the coal ash itself can be used to fill in roads or as a substitute for road salt during the winter. That's the way it's been since pretty much forever.
2: But all of that could be changing this month. Right now, when you're talking about ash ponds, you have to talk about dams. Most ash ponds have at least one side of them or one embankment that is actually a dam. And those dams came under intense scrutiny in 2008 when a dam supporting an ash pond in Tennessee failed and spilled more than one billion gallons, that's billion with a B, of coal ash slurry.
1: Coal ash slurry is basically what you call coal ash and water mixed together.
2: Right. And so after the 2008 disaster, the EPA started inspecting the impoundments in the U.S. that are used to hold coal ash. And as part of that initiative, in the summer of 2012, the EPA inspected Moores Lake. Actually, they contracted with an engineering firm to inspect it. Now, dams are assessed in two areas. First, their hazard potential, which was on a scale of high to significant to low and then less than low. And then they were also inspected for their management, and that was on a scale of satisfactory, fair, poor, or unsatisfactory. So how did the Columbia ash pond do? Uh, Bad. Very bad. Moores Lake was added to a list of coal ash impoundments with a high hazard potential rating, which means, and I'm going to quote the EPA here, failure or misoperation will probably cause a loss of human life. Wow. Yeah. And on top of that, the management of the pond was rated as poor, which means, and again, I'm going to quote the EPA, further critical studies or investigations are needed to identify any potential dam safety deficiencies. What does that mean? What what does it look like? Should, Should I be afraid? Well, here's a good example. We're not exactly sure how tall Moores Lake Dam is. The Missouri Department of Natural Resources listed dams height at 30 feet, and that's a number that seems to come from a 1980 inspection conducted by the Army Corps of Engineers. But the EPA report cited a newer survey that approximated the height of the dam at 15 feet. And the height of a dam is really important, Right. Right, so the dam wall, if it's shorter than we originally thought, it could mean the pond is less able than we thought to handle something like excessive rainfall, which could put more pressure on the dam, which could cause the dam to collapse, which, per the EPA report, means it could result in the loss of human life.
0: Oh, okay, I follow that, but that sounds kind of hypothetical. Like, wasn't there a big flood in 93 where there was a massive amount of rainfall? How did the pond do then? Wouldn't that be a good indicator
2: of the dam's stability and its ability to— to withstand a lot of rain? Yeah, great question. So from Johanny Meyer's perspective, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, we actually asked him about the 93 flood and whether the pond experienced any issues. Here's what he had to say.
3: Nothing, nothing, nothing. significant. Yeah, actually the, the, the drainage area is, is not very large. Uh, you know, we just had, you know, what was it earlier this month? We had about five inches of rain yeah. in, in a couple of days and we didn't have any issues. So really, we, there's no evidence of any overtopping issues or
2: dam stability issues or, but or anything that. here's like the problem that, with so. that from the EPA's perspective. There is no evidence that there is no evidence of any overtopping issues or dam stability issues. So because of the EPA's report, Columbia Water and Light is paying to answer those unanswered questions about the dam. They contracted with an engineer to conduct a dam stability analysis. Uh, they have a surveyor investigating the discrepancies I mentioned earlier. They're hiring an engineer to perform analysis of the lake, and they're even hiring a consultant to develop a dam surveillance operating and maintenance plan. That sounds expensive. Uh, you bet it is. And again, here's Meyer.
3: Well, I've spent about $40,000 so far. Um, and I'll probably have to spend another probably
0: 30000 before I'm done. It'll cost the ratepayer maybe seventy thousand dollars to prove the dam is safe. Wow, seventy thousand dollars—that's a lot. But isn't it worth it to know
2: that the dam that's protecting us from flooding is safe? Well, that's the question, isn't it? I mean, the EPA certainly thinks so. But as Johanna Meyer noted, it's the ratepayer who foots the bill. I see.
0: So the question of whether it's worth seventy thousand dollars to know if the dam is safe might be asked
2: by the ratepayer, the Columbia residents. Right. I mean, obviously, we're already paying the money, so residents don't have the final say in the matter, but yeah, basically. It's, a, it's like a cost-benefit thought experiment for Colombians.
1: But to really understand the cost-benefit of knowing how safe the dam is, there's something you should know about coal ash and what it contains. Jack, I'm going to play some tape for you here from my interview with Barbara Gottlieb. She's the director for environment and health at Physicians for Social Responsibility. When you expose Coal ashed water, the toxic substances can leach out into the
4: water, similarly to the way that the flavor of coffee as well as the color of coffee leach out into the water when you pour hot water on on coffee grounds. Wait,
0: toxic subs? What is she talking about?
1: Yeah, so coal ash actually contains several heavy metals. As Barbara pointed out, the exact metals present in coal ash varies with the different types of coal, but she did list some of the more common ones.
4: Arsenic lead, mercury, hexavalent chromium, cadmium, and selenium. Those are um, very widespread. Now, there's another probably 10 or 12 other uh, heavy metals that might be found, but perhaps not as uniformly.
0: Arsenic, lead, mercury? That's dangerous stuff, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And actually, emissions of several of those metals were targeted by the Clean Air Act, which got them out of the air, but also increased their concentration in coal ash. And this is why people would say it's important to know for certain that ash ponds like Moore's Lake and their dams are safe, because coal ash and coal ash slurry contain these harmful metals. And actually, it isn't just limited to structural integrity, either. Water from the lake then gets discharged into a tributary to Bear Creek, which itself flows into Perchy Creek, which flows into the Missouri River, and so on. On top of that, most ash ponds now have liners, or even double liners, to prevent the slurry from leaching out of the ponds into the ground. But Moores Lake, remember, was originally built in the late 1800s, and it was first used as an ash pond in the 1950s. So it's very old and outdates practices like protective liners. So these toxic heavy metals could be leaching into the ground. And that big pile of drying coal ash, when it gets whipped up into the wind, those metals get carried into the air where you can breathe it in.
0: Wow, is that dangerous? It sounds dangerous.
1: Well, you'd think so, but it actually is kind of hard to say for certain. Barbara calls it the prove it question, which is basically, if coal ash is so bad, prove it. Show me a case where someone is harmed or killed due to the heavy metals in coal ash. And that question can be hard to answer.
4: The harm that they cause may take years to show up. If you live in a community where there's um, an uncovered uh, dry coal ash deposit um, and the wind blows, you may be inhaling cadmium. The threats from cadmium are pretty severe, you know, kidney disease, lung diseases like emphysema, possible lung carcinogen, It takes years and years for those diseases to manifest.
0: Well, okay, so maybe it takes years to manifest, but it seems like we are pretty sure they are harmful. If this water is eventually going to the Missouri River, we don't want that
2: stuff in our water, like at all. Well, not so fast. The discharge from Moores Lake is permitted by Missouri Department of Natural Resources. MDNR. Right, MDNR. And as part of that permit, the power plant is required to test and monitor the discharge from the pond uh, for all sorts of things, pH levels, oil and grease, chlorine, and heavy metals like arsenic, mercury, lead, cadmium, and all of those metals we've just been mentioning.
0: So you're saying that the
2: state of Missouri is essentially fine with those metals being discharged into creeks in the area? Well, basically, yes. I mean, obviously, they are monitoring the levels of those metals, but yes, it is totally permissible, according to the state.
0: But that doesn't seem to make sense, because aren't those metals harmful? Aren't they toxic? I feel like if we know the metals are harmful, we shouldn't allow them to be discharged, or we should at least put some sort of regulation
2: on the amount of them. So you've stumbled onto a question the EPA is considering as we speak. Uh, in 2010, the EPA proposed a rule for the disposal of coal combustion residuals. Coal ash. Right.
1: Actually, they proposed two rules. The first rule would regulate coal ash as a special waste under the Resource Conservation and Recovery Act of 1976. RICRA. Under this First proposal, coal ash would be regulated from its point of generation to its point of final disposal. This would include runoff controls, dust controls. It would restrict where the coal ash could be disposed. It would even create new requirements for dam safety and stability. And all of this would be federally enforced. So coal ash would finally be considered a hazardous waste, or close to it.
2: Whoa! so what's the second rule?
1: The second rule is not as strict.
2: Not at all. The second rule would create national criteria for the disposal of coal ash only and not the generation or storage or treatment of it. And there's a second bigger difference about the second proposed rule. And I'm going to read directly from the EPA summary. The rule would not require permits, nor could EPA enforce the requirements. Instead, states or citizens could enforce the requirements under RICRA Citizen Suit Authority, and the states could also enforce any state regulation under their independent state enforcement authority. Wait, so that means the EPA would create requirements and states could basically take them or leave them. So those two seem pretty different. Why are there two rules?
1: So the rules are part of a more than four-year process where basically the EPA put these two proposed rules out to be discussed. They say both rules have advantages and disadvantages, and they want to make sure to choose the option with the best available data and the fullest amount of public input. And actually, the EPA is required to make its final decision by December 19th.
0: Sure. Is there any reason they wouldn't choose the first
2: proposed rule, though? The one with federally enforced regulations? There is, actually. Uh, I'm going to play some tape from our interview with Christian Meyer at Moores Lake. Uh, I think EPA is under pressure to regulate coal ash to be a
3: hazardous material, even though it, all the analysis that the industry's ever done has shown that it's not hazardous.
2: So here's the thing. The EPA has been debating whether or not to regulate coal ash for almost 27 years. They made rulings in 1988. They made a report to Congress in 1999, then another ruling in 2000. And all of them ruled that coal combustion residuals did not need to be regulated as hazardous waste. And one of the reasons they gave for that ruling was that, and I'm going to quote here, No documented cases of damage to human health or the environment have been identified.
1: So again and again, the EPA has basically ruled that coal ash itself is not hazardous. And really the question you have to ask is, what's changed since then? Remember, Barbara said it's incredibly hard to prove a direct link between coal ash and illnesses. And that specifically was one of the reasons the EPA chose not to regulate coal ash as a hazardous material in 2000. So what's changed since then?
2: This has been a long, ongoing process, and actually Barbara's organization, Physicians for Social Responsibility, was part of the lawsuit that required the EPA to make this final decision by December 19th.
1: For her, the right thing to do here is pretty cut and dry. She says the EPA has documented the sites where a failure of a coal ash pond dam would likely result in a loss of life, like here in Columbia. They've labeled some coal ash ponds as Superfund sites. That's a designation that requires a site contaminated with hazardous waste to be cleaned up, which means, to some degree, the EPA already considers coal ash to be hazardous. But even Barbara is not sure how the EPA will rule. Here she is in our interview. They know all this, and I'm sure in their heart of hearts they want to do the right thing. Whether
4: in a in a very polarized country in a place where, uh, in, in a country and at a time where environmental protection is under withering attack in the Congress, whether they will have the courage and the strength to do the right thing, I can hope, and we will see.
0: So I guess just because individual metals are considered hazardous doesn't necessarily mean coal ash should be considered dangerous. What does this mean for Columbia?
1: Well, we know Columbia Water and Light is working to answer the unanswered questions about the dam and the pond that resulted in the poor rating by the EPA. A preliminary analysis of the dam deemed it was indeed safe or not likely to fail, though according to Meyer, a more thorough analysis won't be complete for a while.
2: But even if the dam is deemed safe, if the stricter EPA rules passed, there would need to be major changes made to Moores Lake, and those would be costly, so costly that the power plant would need to decide whether it's even worthwhile to keep using the ash pond at all.
1: Johanne Meyer said the power plant was looking into ways to move the coal ash out of the plant that don't require water, using conveyors or pneumatic tubes. Those are the tubes you see at the bank drive-throughs to move the ash.
0: So, I guess we'll have a clearer idea, no pun intended, in the coming weeks when the EPA makes its final decision on the pond. We will. All right, thank you for listening. This has been Como Explained. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. Thanks for listening.
1: No, is to be like a little overlap.
2: Why don't you say MDNR? <laughs> the Missouri Department of Natural Resources. MDNR. Stop interrupting me. All right.
0: <laughs> okay, one more time. <laughs>